This is the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Bounty Hunters, we don't need that scum. A UTV Patreon exclusive featuring Star Wars news and discussion beyond the expanded universe. I have never met a Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. And now, it's time to collect those credits. As you will. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Hello, everybody! Welcome to Bounty Hunt. How's it going? A Patreon. Nope, I used to be a Patreon. A UTV Network podcast! It's the muscle memory, y'all. This is where we explore all the extra content in Star Wars Universe. I am one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me today to talk about the latest episode of The Mandalorian Season 3, I mean the Book of Boba Fett, uh, is the full Asheville contingency. That's right, we got the full five-pack here, starting off with Dr. Corey Helton. Hey, buddy. Hello. Hello, friends. Hope everyone's doing well. This uh, was a good episode. I'm excited to talk about it. <laughs> it is good Star Wars. You know what else is good? Dr. Charles Hankel. Are you I'll good? T- I'll I take that. It. I'll take that. Uh, I would not be rated as highly as I'm about to rate this episode, though. I don't want to waste any time. There's a lot to talk about. Oh, that's true. I wouldn't rate you as high as this. You're not like, uh, you know, Wes Jenkins or anything. Oh, caught me off guard. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I um, awake. I haven't had coffee in two days. Today's the first day. But I am super excited to talk about this episode, and I'm glad I didn't spoil it for myself by actually reading the title of it before I watched it. I'm so proud of you. I can also tell you how to make coffee because you said it's been two days, and today is the first day. What's the lie, Wes? Anyway, the last <laughs> member of our crew is the man that held the camera, the man that wormed his way into our hearts, Timothy Guthrie. What is up, fan blam? Thanks for having me on. Thanks for being here, my dude in your Cobb Vance shirt. I'm loving it. Uh, everyone... We are here, of course, to talk about The Book of Boba Fett, Season 1, Episode 5. Spoiler warning, already here. Uh, Return of the Mandalorian! That's the title of the freaking episode! So, uh, if you haven't watched it, I don't believe you. Uh, but if you're new here, I do believe you. <laughs> and what we do here is briefly summarize what happened in, in the episode. Then we're going to talk about some things we loved about it. And occasionally we talk about things we didn't like, but that's a little less in this episode. But let's jump right into it, because as we have said, there's so much to talk about. So, Book of Boba Fett, Season 1, Episode 5, Return of the Mandalorian, opens up on a meatpacking plat. That right, that's right, it's a prequel to Rocky, where the Mandalorian <laughs> himself <laughs> enters right from the start. He's working a job by killing a bunch of dudes. We see Din go into the back room, find the subject of his bounty, and immediately start fighting with the Darksaber, like a total badass. Uh, kills the guy, cuts his head off tells everyone go get the credits they're not mine and then he walks out onto a literal halo ring to get his bounty the bounty we find out is information not only credits but information about the whereabouts of the armorer and paz vizsla that's right he goes and finds the mandalorians again din shows them how he has retrieved the dark saber then he learns its history and the armager for our the armager the armorer forges his best car spear that he used to fight moff gideon into something for grogu maybe chainmail who knows later on in the episode paz vizsla gets a little angry about his family's dark saber being in the hands of din and challenges him for the right to wield it they duel but paz fails however after the duel the armorer calls them all out to vow that they've never taken off their helmets and as we remember from mandalorian season two din absolutely has his past removal of his helmet is revealed, and he is exiled from the Mandos once more. Din then hops onto a Star Cruiser to Tatooine after removing all of his weapons, and he seeks out his good friend Pelimato, who has a line on a replacement for the Razor Crest that got b- b- blown up. 
she pulls out an old N1 Naboo Starfighter. Eric screams to the heavens in joy. And then Pelly and Din work on restoring it with a bunch of droids. After the repairs are finished, Din goes in his new shiny, sleek, silver N1 Starfighter and takes it for a spin. He flies it on the pod racing route. He thrives it through Beggar's Canyon. And we all just feel a little more alive than we did before. He then blasts it off into space, flies past the Star Cruiser, which is absolutely a commercial for the upcoming Halcyon Hotel. And he runs into... Our good fan, Appa, Captain Carson Teva, and Lieutenant Reed, who try to take his information in their X-Wings, but he escapes by pressing the button and zooming away. However, they don't want to do any paperwork, so they let it slide. Back on Tatooine, Din lands, and he and Peli are visited by Fennec Shand, who has come to hire Din as muscle for Boba Fett. Remember him? The titular character? Eh. But Din says, you know what? You don't got to pay me. This one's on us. But before I come help you out, two episodes... I gotta go say hey to a little friend. All right, fellas. Chapter five. We like chapter four pretty good. Um, we, we, that was probably like our second highest rated of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter five was very different. Charles, one to ten. Ten. Correct. Easy. Corey. Ten. <laughs> awesome. Tim. Yep, ten. Wes. I'm gonna hold off. By giving my my rating, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I, I don't think I can give it a ten. <laughs> All right, oh, yeah, it's so good. I can take I over streaming the show it. from my computer if we have to kick Wes off of the. Wes minus seven Trevor points. is going to murder you. I mean, <laughs> how could you not? Like in the first three seconds of the damn episode. So, anyways, yeah, ten. We'll, we'll give it a ten. Yep. I don't know if I can top it. Fifty around the board. Um. All right. So a couple things about this episode, obviously. That's the easy stuff. This episode was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Um, uh, I mean, all around the 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 not even critics. The only criticisms, uh, obviously, have been that this this was basically an episode of The Mandalorian season three. Uh, it isn't the book of Boba Fett. Boba was literally not in the episode. That's and not criticism. What, yes, well. exactly. So, but if it but, is criticism, I, it's not valid criticism. There we go. And I, I actually wanted to start about to talking about that particular point with you guys, though, because obviously this is the Mando's episode. It is Bryce Dallas Howard directing a plus. She's incredible. We loved her stuff in Mandalorian, and she's yeah. basically getting to do that again. So, what do you guys think about taking an episode of the Book of Boba Fett, of which there are only seven, and which we and uh, and we've been like kind of, you know, skeptical of of the overall story. We've been like, it seems like we should know more. And obviously, now mm-hmm. we take an entire episode, more than ten percent of the show, and leave the main story to do this. Uh, obviously, we enjoyed the content, giving it perfect tens. But what did you think about that as an idea for the Book of Boba Fett as a show? Uh, I'm fine with it. I mean, I think it's like, uh, I think it's kind of like the MCU, right? I mean, it's like a crossover. Sure, sure. Like yeah. In the comics, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many examples of this in media where like you have major characters coming in. Like this goes back as far as Scooby-Doo, all right? Because you used to have, <laughs> yes. you used to have, like, you remember the, you remember Scooby-Doo meets the Harlem Globetrotters? I was like, going to say, can we get the Harlem Globetrotters in Book of Boba yeah, Fett? I mean, that would be incredible. That's what, that's what this is. I mean, it's like, it's totally fine. It doesn't matter that this happened in Book of Boba Fett and it's tied in. Like, like, wouldn't it have been kind of weird maybe if, if, if Mandalorian was just in the episode and like the episode just opens of him and Boba Fett, like hanging out and doing stuff, wouldn't it, wouldn't we be like, what the hell is, where has he been? Like, <laughs> wouldn't we worry about that? I mean, I would yeah. be like, 
I don't well, feel like and, we wasted an episode to see this, like, at all. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing because I, when they mentioned, you know, the muscles coming last week, when we heard the Mandalorian theme. I, I did have the thought, and we talked about it a little bit on the show, that there are a lot of questions that mm -hmm. we would need to know. And mm -hmm. this episode essentially answered a bunch of those. We now know where we stand with the Darksaber. We now know where he stands on his level of Grogu-ness. Like, he might still go see Grogu before he comes back. So we may not see him till episode seven or or that may be part of Mando season three, whatever they're going to do. But this did a great job of answering those. And it reminded me a lot of the interlude chapters in like Alphabet Squadron, where we had the uh, chapters with Devin in them. Andrew and our chat and our team brought that up when we were talking about it earlier this week. It's like the aftermath books. So there's a bunch of interludes that tell you what else is going on in the galaxy as you're reading. And I thought it was a really cool way to use an interlude that was also a really just accidentally produced piece of content. And, if there mm -hmm. is any remote downside, and I again, I don't think this is a downside. I'm just having a trouble finding another word for it, is that this did highlight, I think, how strong the craft of the Mandalorian had become in seasons one and two. And Book of Boba Fett, I think, was still finding its feet craft-wise as far as the directors go and as far as things like the effects go. Whereas the visual language of Mandalorian was so established in the first two seasons that getting it back here, I'm talking even camera angles, even action shots, like... It all is so like point by point by the book Mando that yeah. I'm like, oh, this is polished. And mm -hmm. yeah. whereas yeah. some of the book of Boba Fett stuff was still really good, it's just maybe m missing that little Beskar shine, if you will. Just hearing the like the theme from the Mandalorian just made me think how much we've all really missed that show because it doesn't. We haven't really been thinking. I mean, a lot of us have been thinking about it, I guess, but not so much as. To like, wow, this show was really, really good. And I can't yeah. believe I've missed so much of this. I can't wait for season three now. So there's your, we got our teaser for season three in this episode. And we got a little bit of how Boba's going to get his muscle. So, um, I mean, can you give it more than 10? Can you give, <laughs> give it a 10? This, this one goes one? to 11? Like, I mean, <laughs> I don't, sure. yeah. I, I think it's a super fun way to do it. And I, and I also love that they went back to some questions we had in, in the earlier Mandalorian episodes, like Darksaber things. Right, like we have a couple people on our team that quite like the dark saber. Um, check out Meg Dowell's bylines everywhere on the internet. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to also get you guys' opinion on that because we saw Din using the dark saber. Obviously, the first scene I freaked out when he brought it out and just started chopping people in half. That that was mm. great. But then yeah. he's talking about literally how it it's it's heavier and it's not responding to him in a certain way. And then we mm. all it almost felt like an episode <laughs> of Star Wars Rebels there in a bit. We got like Kane and Sabine action. Um, so what do you guys think about specifically the Darksaber lore we got, like with, with the Vizsla getting a little more personal about it? And how did you like us seeing that in live action, including the Night of a Thousand Tears stuff that we got? Oh, my God. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Look how good so it looks. So cool. Look so good cool. it looks. Yeah, this, 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 you're, this, you're definitely right that this is polished. Like, this is like the, by far the most polished episode that we've ever seen. Like, I almost wonder if it was made like a year ago like like this is oh. not, like, this is oh, not when did they new, shoot it yeah. yeah when did they shoot this like question. did they shoot this ages ago because like it doesn't look like the rest of the book of boba fett looks it definitely looks like a higher quality yeah yeah the the dark saber stuff what interested me the most was how much trouble din had uh wielding it right because it yeah. was it was like very heavy and he was like kind of fighting the blade that's actually it's not 
it's not new, I guess, that uh, non-force users have trouble wielding some of these things, right? Like even mm -hmm. Han looks very uncomfortable using Luke's lightsaber to open up the Tauntaun in Empire. But in the Legends, it was actually that it was hard for people to wield lightsabers because the the blade had no weight. It was mm -hmm. it was weightless, and so it, it was like difficult to feel where it was in space, etc. It's like the exact opposite. Um, but we have seen non-force users, like in the comics, use lightsabers, like typical lightsabers, without really much issue. There's that you know Star Wars mainline classic issue where like. I think even Chewie has a lightsaber at one yep. point. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the dark saber is different, right? We already knew it was different, but there's something like very, very specific to it that made it so difficult to wield. And I want to know a lot more about that. Yeah, I, I thought it was cool to see that element of it for sure. I mean, the dark saber has always been this individual kind of thing. And we, we, we see it first. Um, we see it in Clone Wars, we see it in Rebels, obviously the Trials of the Darksaber arc with Sabine is such a powerful thing where she's learning to wield it, and the, the parts where Kanan has to train her to, like you're saying, Charles, literally feel it differently, like how, why are you fighting against this? Because there's an emotional weight to the Darksaber that includes the history of Mandalore, like within it in a weird way, and that, that's one of the things I really like that Star Wars can do, is incorporate so many different things like we have the raw power like we're seeing the screenshot of the dark saber like it chops people in half it is an incredible blade but it is also a historical blade it is representative of the ties between mandalorians and jedi it is also a blade that is absolutely soaked in the history of like betrayal and battle and conquest like you can wield it if you fight someone for it and if you don't like bo katan as they kind of hinted at this episode who was just given it by sabine mm -hmm. then it curses mandalore and it's like yeah. this idea that the blade is sentient which is something we've seen in like light in lightsaber crystals lately like they call out to people your your crystal is is a living thing on ilum you know and the dark saber does seem to you know, very much like wands in Harry Potter, like be kind of sentient. And I like the fact that Din, the, the armorer was saying like, you're fighting against the blade. It's heavy. Well, are you fighting against the blade? Like that's another <laughs> battle that he didn't think about. And I thought that was just written very well in this yeah. particular episode. I like that you called out the emotional components of it as well, because I, th I think Din is not balanced at all in no. any of his thoughts and feelings towards anything. Yeah. But even no. Vizsla, even Vizsla, when he gets a hold of it, he struggles a bit. And I thought that was really cool to see that there's it's it's not just you're going to get it or you're not um, like you might struggle. And it matters mm -hmm. that you are on even ground, that you are balanced in mind and heart right. um, and purpose. And I, Din is struggling to find that purpose. And that's it's cool to see in that in that particular manner. Yeah, I mean, clear eyes, full heart can't lose. So mm. I just think that's that's the easiest way to wield the dark saber. Um, now you mentioned the armor. We mentioned Vizsla, who my my lovely little Funkos I got to pull out. Haven't haven't seen them in a while. Pulled them off the shelf today. Um, how do you guys feel about specifically the armorer leaving? this episode because the armor has always been kind of a really awesome figure like her fights in the first two scenes of mandalore with literal hammers versus like blasters and knives and stuff have always been incredible you know this is the way her thing she and she forges the beskar armor she makes the like all these amazing things but then this episode she trains din 
She tells him about the Darksaber. She tells him, you wield it. But then he's like, I took my helmet off. Can I atone? Oof. She immediately kind of goes to cult leader in a way and expels him immediately. So my question for you guys, and this is, is two parts. One, how do you think this affects Din's feelings about Mandalorians? Do you think he still wants to be one? Or do you think he's this, this part of his quest is over? And two, did this affect your personal feelings about the armor? Because I guess she didn't change. We've always kind of known this, but to see it this bluntly was was a little different. I um I feel I've like always kind of been a little skeptical of the armor personally, mm -hmm. and once we once we kind of introduced the idea that like like she's with the remnants of Death Watch and like maybe not the right uh you know the right versus like right and wrong Mandalorians, like maybe she's on like the wrong side a little bit. Like in Bo Katanas mm -hmm. have brought all that up in the in those previous episodes from Mandalorian season two. I was like, I don't know where this is gonna go with this character, but I'm kind of fine with it, I think. Cause like, I mean they're kind of like the bad guys <laughs> in a lot yeah. of ways, right? Mm -hmm. I mean she's got we've, watch, I've always yeah. wondered why she's got the horns on her helmet, right? Is she a mm -hmm. mall DeLorean, right? Like mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I like how she it, it is. She's always been like the person of structure with the creed. So yeah. even though she has her followers, she's the one that everybody kind of follows as the, as the leader, I guess. Right. So she and she is not yeah. going, she is not going away from it. So as you, as I showed in that picture where she told him, Hey, you're no longer a Mandalorian, but you got to go underneath the mines of Mandalore that apparently has been destroyed and find Mines some living water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's blind. Blind faith makes a great point in the chat that um, the armor is so steadfast that even though there is only three of them left now, like Vizsla says, there's three of us, and now there are two. She literally is so steadfast about this one notion that she turns away potentially a third of their people left in the universe. Um, yeah. Instead of point. instead of adapting, instead of like, I refuse to even let you try to atone differently. I am so stuck in the dogma of the children of the watch that I am not going to actively recruit. I don't care about the foundlings. I don't care about this. I will slash our numbers to extinction practically because you have, you know, you don't not follow this particular way. And I think that we're going to see Din potentially in season three struggle with that a lot i i don't think personally that he's done with the mandalorians i don't think that he's i think he does now maybe want to go to mandalore and like cleanse himself in the the mines or whatever i think that that might be where we go but i do think it's going to cause some questions of like yeah. you know the only thing more valuable to him than the mandalorians i think is grogu is his relationship mm -hmm. with the, with the child and Ooh. i don't think he regrets taking that helmet off for grogu at all but now there are consequences to that, and I think we're really going to see him reckon with that. Roku yeah, is making fun. question his religion. The kids will do, man. A young child. <laughs> <laughs> Don't have kids; they'll dissonant. send you straight to hell. You can't do it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just want to see him come back and kick her off the platform. That's really all I want. <laughs> doesn't have a jetpack, you know. She doesn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, so we we get our awesome Mandalorian section. We see. The Night of a Thousand Tears. We see literally, what is that, hundreds of TIE bombers that, that flew wild, over Mandalore and that just was, blew it up? One of the coolest shots like, in all of Star Wars. Do y'all want to relive that real quick? 
please. Let's let's relive yes. that. Let's. <laughs> all right. So we see that we also we saw people said this is the siege of Mandalore. This is post siege of Mandalore for Clone Wars. This yeah, is all right. Empire. But I mean, nuclear weapons. Like, good God. Like, it's crazy, yeah. man. Like the volume of destruction. The amount of like, bombers. Look at that. It, it feels bombers, like dude. the the Blitzkrieg in World War Two. You know, it, it obviously. I mean, Star Wars has always been militarily World War II and Vietnam, but my God, I want God, this movie. Just, <laughs> I mean, this is it. You know, <laughs> I think this is. I know. Oh, the yeah. K2 K2 were crazy. Go in there and clean it up, K two. It's just Terminator. Like we all and and the uh, <laughs> you know, we we always think of K two as this friendly droid because we that was the first one we saw. But to every other person in the galaxy, those are droids of terror and destruction. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You know, like right. fall, play Fallen Order. They suck. God, they <laughs> suck in Fallen Order. You have to get BD to get in there and, and recircuit their, their heads so you can use <laughs> yeah. one as a friend. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so that it's was always, all... It always, always took time consuming to do that. It, just it is. Sense. Just <laughs> He's just going to kill him. Just kill him instead. You don't need just to do kill all him. that. Just be done with it. <laughs> Hopefully the second game will be easier. Uh, so we get all the Mandalorian stuff, and then, weirdly, now we get to the meat of the episode. Speaking of BD, we didn't mention that. <laughs> and, uh, thank you, a Angelia. We did see a BD droid on the sands of Tatooine. Let's head over. Let's let's take our little star cruiser, um, which uh, was just, that was an adorable little sequence. I love that he had to take all his weapons off. Someone on Twitter likened it to, like, a samurai trying to get on an airplane. Yeah. Like, just take <laughs> yeah. it off. <laughs> Literally everything. That's pretty funny. Um... But then we do get to Pelimoto, who, for me, I have I have been vocally sometimes irritated by this character, but I thought she worked perfectly in this episode. I thought she was great. There's a little BD and his adorable little tippy taps. I love him. Yeah, I loved her. Then, I'm over it. I was I was kind of in that camp too with you, uh, Eric. Mm -hmm. in the first was that first season? I guess it was first season of Mandalorian. Yeah, she's first season. Like, yeah, and I was I'm like all behind her now. I I love yes! this episode. She was a great character. She should date a Jawa furry. Very fair. Oh, what? Way <laughs> too much information. In the, <laughs> in the way she was talking about him, just doing that. Yeah. Just like slacking her lips. What was she's that? She's so funny. And then when they're like asking about her, she's like, no, no, I, I'm working on me now. No, that I'm was like, great. I'm like, That's <laughs> amazing stuff by Amy Sedaris. But oh, then, man. guys, we, we, we talk a lot about bingo cards and a lot about how we're surprised. If anywhere on my bingo card, I had I had, had the square of, Eric gets to see his favorite starship design from the prequels we put in the Mandalorian. <laughs> I wouldn't have believed you. A freaking N1? Yeah, we got a freaking Very... N1 Naboo cruiser. Crazy. Wild choice. Wild choice. Never would have guessed it in a thousand years. Never would have guessed it. You know, I think that's what that's what they're really proving that they're doing with these Star Wars live action shows, right? They're showing that, like, there are norms in Star Wars, and we do not always have to stick to that. Right. right. Not all Mandalorians right. have to fly a, fl a freighter. Right. Like, yep. Yeah. It's 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 interesting. It's interesting. Like I, I don't know if uh, like I'm still kind of wishy washy on on whether or not I, I I want it. You know what I mean? Like like mm -hmm. it's an in one starfighter. Does it make sense for Mandalorian? Like we got to see how it works out and stuff. But like uh, you can't argue with the execution. Uh, holy it's crap! True. No. Like, mm -hmm. I love it's how. Beautiful. Oh. 
I love how we were all so excited by seeing that. All the prequel kids were like, holy crap, the in one starfighter. And then the whole time the Mandalorian was like fixing it, he was like, you can have this pile of shit back. I'll take my razor. Crest. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> this thing sucks. Why would you want this? And we're like, they're handmade by, by the people of Naboo. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I love that the Jawa just kept stealing shit too. So they could put on yeah. Mm-hmm. Such a great touch. He's like, like where did you the... get this? So we, we jacked it off of of a off of a pike ship while they were filling up the <laughs> well, gas. refueling like, bro this one on the left looks like he's got himself a little pot belly i love it <laughs> yeah he's great he's eating, he's eating good and then of course the uh the last thing they got that that rod that they got off the pike ship that was the thing that they use in i believe in a, in a new hope to uh-huh. uh and the trash yeah, compactor, the trash compactor. Yeah. yeah that's literally so it's all these really cool organic callbacks and and west to, to go over what you said about the n1 i like how you're right we're all getting excited and I'm like, oh my god, the glorious yellow. And Din's like, get that yellow shit off of here. Like, but he's like, I'm <laughs> buffing it out. It like, it looks so just funny. like his. Here's I can't wait for the. Lo- yeah, there's that piece with. Oh my god, what a great face by Amy Sedaris right there. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute acting yeah. your butt off. I can't wait to get the Lego set for this. Let's be real. That's another reason why you make it silver. So you know the uh, Lego's different. Um, mm-hmm. And then specifically, Charles, I want to ask you about this as our resident. Uh, make another pod racing game pod racer book happen, fella. Uh, we we got essentially a pod race in this episode. How did you like seeing the N1 go through the freaking Boot to Eve classic trail going into Beggar's Canyon? Yes. Uh, like, yeah. my God. Well, <laughs> so when they actually first went into the hangar and, well, okay, while this is up on the screen, I want to talk about this. You see this off on the right-hand side. That's literally the uh fence that anakin bursts through when he goes up the ramp oh it's all jump over Sebulba. Yeah. like all the pieces are literally still no one cleaned there, it up, up. No one cleaned um, it up. Cool which is incredible but yep. but yeah so when they first went in the hangar and the n1 was underneath the sheet like those front engines it, for a hot second i was like oh my god there's a pod racer under there and then i was like <laughs> that makes no sense but uh, <laughs> it was like a moment of disappointment i was like okay it's an n1 that's still pretty badass uh, but yeah, they they used I think some uh, sound effects from the pod racers for yep, some yep. of the engine mm-hmm. stuff that was going on. Yeah, that really like it, I don't know it transported me right back to when I was like a six year old hearing all this for yeah. the first time. Um, it was incredible to see him just going through that same area. It, I mean, it still looks great. Like, give me the pod racing show, man, or an I episode. Know. Give me an episode. I know. I'm here and for it. and I want to throw out one other other point about the n1 because i know some people had brought up like it doesn't make sense for uh for mando to have a single person fighter essentially at this point because if he's bounty hunting like how is he going to transport people around and i think that goes to show that he's not going to be bounty hunting anymore right that's not his plan yep Mm. because neither is boba and i think like we are still in the book of boba fett and i think boba's like i'm not i was gonna turn my back on being a hunter and i think that i don't know call me crazy Last episode, we had Boba Fett getting a, a ship that has a, has a single fighter and can shoot a lot of things. This episode, we got Din getting a ship with a single fighter that can shoot a lot of things. Wouldn't it be cool if maybe in the finale, we see the fire spray and the N1 flying side by side, blowing stuff up? And... um. My brain short-circuited. I'm thinking about that. <laughs> here's, a, uh, here's a picture like... of, of the scale, the scale of the N1 compared oh, yes. to the person who's in it, right? So it's 
pretty good. It's a pretty good size from when you saw yeah. it inside the shop. It looked a little smaller, but I think it's, I mean, you could put a person in there where they, they yeah. hollowed out that droid part. You just you put a Grogu in there. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, they're 100% going to put a Grogu in that. 100%. <laughs> there's, there's no chance. He has to be wearing goggles though. Oh yeah. oh yeah. For safety. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way we're not going to see that. I mean, <laughs> Grogu in the literal like oversized helmet and goggles that Anakin had in Phantom Menace. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah. You want me to buy another Grogu Funko? I'll finally do it. If you put him in the stupid hat from Phantom Menace. Um, so we're, we're obviously talking so much in this episode about specifically prequel stuff about like fallen order with bd1 like about the entire episode is a throwback to mandalorian why in a show that has a lot of nostalgia book of boba fett i think so far has a ton of like things from legends has things from the ot that has sometimes worked for us better than others but this episode it seems like every single thing and they did a lot right from all that to the terminator stuff to the superman callbacks like there's so much jam-packed in it. Why did every single piece of nostalgia in this episode work so well and it hit so hard for us? Oof, I don't know. I think it's, uh, you know, I think this goes back to our discussion that we've had multiple times now at this point about, like, what is fan service, right? Like, mm -hmm. because people are always, that's something that gets thrown around. I think it has sort of a negative connotation of, like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're doing this thing so all the fans are happy and they love us. And, mm -hmm. like, uh, and and there's such a blurry line between what fan service is versus just like cool lore and callbacks right. and, and that sort of thing. But like, it was really subtle in this episode, right? If you weren't, you know, if you were watching this with someone who hasn't really seen much of Star Wars, maybe only even seen the films, they wouldn't understand a lot of this. I mean, we talked about in Slack that like a lot of folks talked about, uh, they would pause it because they watched it with their spouse or somebody and they would like pause it have to explain what the hell they're talking about all the mandalorian lore and stuff right so like right it was just deep there were so many easter eggs in the whole episode from start to finish it was just yeah. small cutouts like seeing anakin's pod racer like where it destroyed the the road mm -hmm. like stuff like that is just it's just subtle and i think that's mm -hmm. the best kind of you know fan service if you if you will i think it is yeah i think when is good Oh yeah, I think there were two things that stuck out to me. The first, I think it worked so well because Bryce Dallas Howard is a genius. Yeah, she's and, really, like really give good. her the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> My um, gosh, and and she's a fan. Like like you can see that in this. Um, I think the second thing, this episode reminded me a lot of Resistance Reborn. Like reading that experience because sure. it touches on so many different aspects. Like let's talk about this novel. Let's pull in this young adult. Let's pull in this thing from the game, and and all of this in a in a way that matters to build to an eventual connecting point. And I think right. this is important because we know that they are working on a larger, greater crossover event. And I think that we needed this information. We needed all these little things to tie in. And I think it's all going to be super important to prove that it worked um, and that it will probably work again. So. Yeah. And also like, what's the, what's the point of saying like, Hey, Disney bought this product, everything moving forward is canon. Like what, what is the point of doing that? If you're not going to tie things together, right? Mm -hmm. right. Like that's sure. literally, that is the point. Like that's why, why yeah, are even, doing any of this? They even like, had the line, the, the armor had the line about the uh, mythosaur only existing yeah, yeah, in yeah. legends yeah. or something. In legends. Like, like, yeah, this was, literally. This was such a, a love letter to star Wars at large. I think that was so yeah. cool. I love how they keep bringing the old details from, um, 
from season two, season one of Mandalorian back in so they can keep reminding us of why, like, how did Moff Gideon get the Darksaber? Nobody really knows. Um, mm-hmm. But then, so you have to earn the Darksaber by winning, like, in, in combat. And mm-hmm. then they they kept leaning back on how Bo-Katan got the, got the Darksaber, but she didn't really win in a camera. She was just handed it to her. And so they keep reminding you of these details. So when you go back into uh, season three of The Mandalorian, which is into this year? Me, I'm, I'm going to guess early next year at this point. Okay. It's my yeah. theory, but nothing yet. Yeah, They're trying to remind us, keep us, to keep us appraised of what's going to happen like in these right. next shows so we don't forget because I did yeah, for sure. until I started doing research again of what happened in season two. Yeah, it, it is such a giant machine and they have these things that you said keep referencing each other it keeps you in the know it keeps you like realistic in the business sense it keeps you on the app it keeps you watching stuff yeah right which is also a great thing but i also think that this particular bits of fan service work because they make sense within the context of the universe um angelia said in the chat a great point it made perfect sense that a mechanic that works with droids would have a bd unit like you didn't need to explain why this bd comes out because yeah you have a bunch of droids that makes sense Pit droids. Why would you have pit droids from episode one? Because it's the same planet. You're working in the same area. Yeah. Of course. Makes sense. <clears throat> Naboo starfighters. Like, they're from that era. They're going to be junk ships because the Naboo military kind of doesn't do a lot of stuff now. So you can get them for antiques and things like that. And for me, I think for this episode more than any of the others, it all worked because the execution was so good. Is that if you have fan service with subpar execution, then you will focus specifically on the fan service you're supposed to look at and you will think about why am I seeing this because you're not caught up in the story. Whereas yeah. in this one, Din Djarin flying an N1 Starfighter through the pod racing circuit <clears throat> of the Boonti Eve into Beggar's Canyon was so exciting because they say Beggar's Canyon, we see this stuff, but the ship is flying at such a speed and Din's dialogue is so, he's having fun. He's like, let's open her up. Like it, just, it feels just so cool. The music is so good. Like that, that, when he starts to like go up into space and the music starts to like really increase and the notes get higher, like you're so caught up in the moment that the fan service is helping those feelings. It's not replacing yeah. them. Yeah, so you're not distracted, sure. which, which means by the time he gets up and she's like, how was it? And he goes, wizard. Wizard. Like it's just, God. it's fun because it's paying off everything. And I think that sometimes if the show surrounding it, isn't as isn't as good then the fan service stuff is like oh okay yeah okay why so couldn't it have been if, that if he if din had said i should try spinning that's a good trick i would have rolled my eyes like that would yes. have been like <laughs> he did spin, funny. but he didn't say it yes he didn't say yeah. it right yeah. Yeah, like i would i would say this is dumb i don't like this because <laughs> that's a meme that's more of a meme yeah. Yeah. it's a meme right but it wasn't like that it was it was subtle right none, none of it took took me out or like no. makes you want to roll your eyes or cringe or any of that stuff and I don't know. I think it's just world building and I think uh, it's making all the dots connect and, and it makes it all fit together nicely. And mm-hmm. like, I'm all, I'm all for it, man. Like it didn't bother me at all that, uh, that nothing to do with Boba Fett was introduced until the end because we got all this, all this, yep. all this lore and expansion and, and cameo stuff. Yeah. It's really fun. One of the, in. <laughs> yeah. One of the details that I didn't notice the first time when the armor handed him the package that, was going some kind of armor for Grogu. And then he looked at it on the starship was when like she, the way she tied it looked mm-hmm. like Grogu. Man, 
That Come was on. Nice. I mean, what a great callback to that. Yeah. Everybody's like, yeah, oh, it sure. looks just like him. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's, there's nothing like a, an episode like this to remind me that I don't dislike Grogu. I'm just over the merchandise. And I really like yeah. remembering yeah. that now and then. Yeah, that's really it. That's really yeah, don't yeah. put it past him to sell this just like a a knotted up a piece napkin. of cloth for yeah for eighteen ninety nine. Yeah. So as we as we look ahead towards the next episode of Boba Fett, right? We got two left in the book of Boba Fett, um, and we still don't know quite oh, what's coming oh, oh, next. Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. No, one, go, go. One, one small thing I wanted to say is everybody was yes. bitching about uh about the episode being called like the Return of Mandalorian. What was it called? The Return, Return of the Return Mandalorian. Of the Mandalorian. Yeah, okay, that wasn't listed anywhere on Disney Plus. No, did, it's did just called have... Chapter Five. You have to like. Yes, it's called Chapter have... Five. Oh. Yeah, so they're all yeah, called like chapters. Was... None of them have names. Yes, it's not listed anywhere. So like, people were like, "Oh, it's spoiling. Why would you name the episode?" I'm like, I mean, if you looked it up on IMDb, you might get spoiled. Yeah, IMDb like... has it, but yeah, no, but Disney Plus they are very good it. about it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. That was weird criticism. That is incorrect. If you see that anywhere on, yeah. on Twitter and stuff, that that really bothered me. Everybody was bitching about that because that's not that's not true at all. You're searching for it. You're searching for things yeah. to complain mm-hmm. about. Relax. It's really good. Enjoy like, the yeah. ride. That's right. Now, that's right. You mentioned you, you all said that like, we didn't mind Boba not being in this episode a bunch, right? We were like, okay, it was a good mm-hmm. episode. We didn't mm-hmm. mind it. Next week, I would assume we're getting back to the quote unquote normal show. Like, yeah, like we have this we end here with him and Fennec I love seeing him and Fennec interact. I forgot how much I liked their like brief back and forths uh, during the Mandalorian. I thought that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Does this make you less excited for the next episode? Because there's there's a distinct possibility that next episode Din might be off with Grogu, and he might only come back for the finale. Um, if that mm-hmm. happens, what do you what do you think we need to maybe mentally prep for going forward to yeah. either not be disappointed yeah. or is that not a thing? You know, I, I'm starting to realize that I think we need to get our head wrapped around the idea that the stakes are lower with this particular show, right? With Book of Boba mm-hmm. Sure. Right? I, I don't think it's a coincidence that they use all this book language, right? Like, there's this – everything is chapters in The Mandalorian, and, and like, mm-hmm. like, this is the book of Boba Fett, but this mm-hmm. is maybe still The Mandalorian, right? Like, this is more of an extension of that show rather than – its own thing. Like this is just an opportunity for storytellers to explain Boba Fett's story, what the hell he's been up to all this time. Right? Like this is not a Boba Fett takes over the crime world. Right? Maybe that's not what this is. Okay. And maybe that is what we're going to get. I don't know, but like, yeah, it certainly seems like the stakes are lower. And I think, I think I'm coming to terms with that idea that the stakes are lower and that like, Boba Fett is not going to like fight Maul at the end of the season, right? It's right. Like <laughs> right. Shit, you know what I'm talking about? Like, it's just a, yeah. it's just a lower stakes thing. He's going to defeat some huts or he's going to defeat some enemies on Tatooine. That's going to be it. Right. And I think as soon as everybody gets their, it comes to the kind of the terms of managing your expectations about that. I think you can sit back and relax and enjoy the show because like, I think there has been up to this point, like a real strong feeling of, all right, this was a good episode, but like, where are we going? This is a great episode, but what's next, right? There's there's always been that looking forward to the future. And freaking Yoda said, don't do that, right? Like live in the moment. And I think that's what, what everybody's going to have to do. And I am certainly more comfortable with the show now at this point, knowing that we only have what, three, how many episodes do we have left? Three, three, two. Ep- no, two, two episodes left. I don't think we're going to see anything insane happen in two episodes. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Treat yeah. it like a spinoff. That's a really... That's a really good way to look at it. Like, for instance, 
How I Met Your Father just came out, right? Oh, yeah. On, on Hulu. <laughs> yep. And I watched yeah, a couple yeah. episodes of it. Um, I went in knowing this would not even hold a candle to How I Met Your Mother, which is one of my all-time favorite sitcoms. And I enjoyed it. But if I had gone in expecting it to be just as good, which is how a lot of people are uh, approaching Boba Fett, like, you know, I probably would have been disappointed. But And it's not to say that Book of Boba Fett can't get to that point, right? Because maybe it can. And that'll be a pleasant surprise if that happens, but it doesn't really have to. So that's kind of a, I, I like the way that you put that, Corey. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's, I feel like it's important. We talk about managing expectations a lot at Utini. I feel like it's important to do that, especially with, with film and TV and, and that sort of thing. And uh, I'm honestly okay with, uh, with the idea that some of these TV shows like this are lower stakes. I think it makes yeah. it, I think it makes it so you can cover a lot more ground in a shorter period of time. And, uh, you know, the idea that this is only a seven episode series is really fine. Like I'm, I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Well, and here's, here's a, another question though, cause you just brought that up. There's a lot of people out there on the interwebs who are saying we can't possibly wrap up this story in like the next two episodes. Like there's a lot of people saying like, technically no one's ever come out and said there won't be a season two of this show. I'm curious what y'all think. Is this something that we could see a whole second season of, or are we for sure wrapping this up and moving on? I am. I'm torn on that because as of right now, there, I don't see a need for a season two of this. Yeah. Um, but I think there's going to be something in the, in the last episode that either says yes or no to that, whether we're going to either leave it on a cliffhanger or not. And when we talk about the Mandalorian showing back up um, in the rest of this season, I don't think he's going to show, show up in the next episode, maybe have a cameo in, in episode seven. But I also think they're going to bring somebody else in somebody, another, maybe another bounty hunter, maybe not like, maybe we'll get to see, um, we'll get to see the Trandoshan bounty hunter, right? Maybe we'll get to see more of the droid. Maybe we'll get to see the, uh, the one from season one. Well, not the exact one because he, he blew up. But. IG-88. <laughs> yeah, but an, IG, an, an IG-84 or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 All the IGs. <laughs> yeah, I'll be fine with that. I mean, I, I don't think we need a second season at the end of the day. Like, I think that I think that um, I think that the story exists in and of itself. And I am satisfied knowing how Boba Fett survived, knowing that Boba Fett is still alive, unless they kill him off in the next two episodes, which that would be a, <laughs> that would be a, <laughs> he's alive. Another, Psych. Another, Never mind. Another, another spot on the bingo card. I wasn't counting on. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm satisfied with the story that we've gotten so far. And uh, I think it's, I think it, it builds up the idea that the crime syndicates are doing their thing and uh, that's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm excited to see whatever they bring back. I'm excited to see, uh, I don't know. I'm excited for everything. I mean, Filoni's doing the next episode, you know? And I, if, if the Ahsoka episode of Mando season two is any indication, like it'll probably be maybe subtle, maybe the calm before the storm, you know? Like I wouldn't mind seeing something a little more intimate uh, right before we get a giant battle full of N1s and fire sprays, like save that budget. Yeah. So yeah, I'm very excited. Sure. 
I just want uh, a training montage of Boba playing fetch with his pet Rancor and then getting to know each other. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before we, have before we blow stuff up. Boba Fetch? I will, in fact. Boba Fetch? Boba Fetch. We do, oh, my God. Thank I will, you. in That's fact, be upset if we do not get Boba Fett riding a Rancor at some point. Even if it's not in this show, I don't care. As long as that happens eventually, because they can't just drop a line like that and never follow up on it. That has to be done. That's the right? second time, yeah, right? The second time where they really put, like, we're going to we're gonna kind of let you know, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like it. Oh, but all right. I'm digging this a lot. Um, now, my internet has become slightly unstable at the end of this show. So, fellas, I, this is a great time. I don't want to put our audience through looking at my face for the, for the exit bit. So, Wes, are we going to have Corey round this out? Are we going to give him that power? Yeah. Is that uh, what's going to happen? Go for it. Unlimited power. Enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, you know, the last thing, last thing that Eric had on our, on our walkthrough here, I guess, that we should maybe maybe sign out on is uh dave filoni is directing next episode right so that's an interesting idea um you know has he done one of the other episodes of this season yet nope not yet. this season this is the first one that dave filoni has done so mm-hmm. i don't know um you know we, we have we try not to speculate too much about what the next episode is going to be but like i don't know any thoughts about getting dave in on 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 one of the last episodes of the season <sighs> I think you got to give him a shot, right? I mean, this young upstart. Oh, I yeah. don't know. I don't know. I, I think this. No, you know, not think about it. I think I think he needs to stay out. I think he's got his own thing. He's got with uh, with the Mandalorian. Give some other people a shot at their creativity and their and their yeah. content. I think well, he's anytime, doing it. So anytime you see <laughs> Filoni or Favreau pop up as having more of a hand in these episodes. I think you have to question, like, are we going to get a piece of a of the bigger story here in this yeah. episode? You know, like we know yeah. that you know, Filoni came back for Ahsoka and Mando and all that kind of stuff. So are we going to get breadcrumbs? Are we going to even see like the the first kind of, I don't know, scene that may tell us what the next uh, series that ties into this might be? You know, that kind of stuff, yeah. I think, may be on the radar. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, that pretty much wraps up this episode, I think, of of Bounty Hunt. You know, this is probably the first uh, the first episode that we've ever all given it a solid ten. Is that, has that ever happened before for live action? Crazy. TV? I don't, I, yeah. I don't know if it has. Um, it was very, very good. I think we all really enjoyed every minute of the episode. I'm excited to go back and watch this one again. I only watched this one once, actually. It's kind of shame on you. A bit. I know I've had a busy week, so I didn't get to watch this one more than once. Um, but. I don't know, fellas. Any any last kind of closing thoughts about wrapping up this uh, this episode of us? Next week's episode is probably not going to be as good as this one. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the spirit. That doesn't the spirit. mean manage your expectations. <laughs> I'm just wow. saying. Wow. Uh, yeah, manage your expectations, everyone, because uh, it's not going to be as good. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thanks for hanging out with us, guys, uh, on a lovely Sunday afternoon. Um, it's been nice to, to have folks in the comments. We've had a pretty active active chat. That's been a lot of fun. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for this episode of Bounty Hunt. Thanks for listening to the show. Keep your eyes out for the next hunt when we'll be diving into episode six of the Book of Boba Fett. Special thank you to our patrons, OK Indar, Jeremy Kazina, JG Kars, Earl Q, Patrick Ortiz, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council. Matt Billington, Taylor Latour, Elizabeth Cloutier, Jason Mitchell, Freddie C, Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command for their amazing support. 
Go ahead and tell us about your thoughts about the Book of Boba Fett in our Discord community at utini.com slash Discord. Be sure to follow the main show on Twitter at LivingForcePod and all of us individually for our latest thoughts about all things Star Wars. Uh, I'm Corey Helton. You can get me at, at DocStarWarsMD. Charles is at C. Henkel. Wes is at Boss West. Timothy is at underscore T. Guthrie. And Eric, it's the last person in the list, is at Eric. Yeah. Until next time. I don't have a transition. I'm not that kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) You've been listening to the Bounty Hunt Podcast. Yeah? Good. To learn more about other Utini Patreon exclusives, visit utini.com.